welcome everybody to another episode of Am I Tripping? Back to the bubble, baby. Back to the bubble. So, I know it's been a second for me, uh, far as getting on here talking about the bubble. So, uh, excuse me if, uh, you, you know, I don't really get all the way back to that point. I'm more or less going to talk today about what I'm seeing right now and what I've seen uh, in this second round. Uh, wow. Uh, the action is, it's been, it's been solid. The action been solid, man. Uh, the series, the series has been pretty decent outside of Milwaukee. Uh, I, I, I thought Milwaukee, uh, and, uh, Heat series was disappointing for three different reasons. And, uh, the mo- number one reason is I wanted Giannis not to end up getting played the same way for the second year in a row. And I and and that ended up happening again. Uh last year, uh Giannis was able to uh uh Toronto able to slow Giannis down and pretty much neutralize him by throwing up the gate so he can't just, you know, go bully ball straight down the lane or spin move his way into a uh you know, a dunk or something like that through uh with his uh his strides. They were short making him shorten up his strides. So uh they, he hadn't. He, he still hasn't made that a type of adjustment, and uh, just just keeping it real, man. With all the talent that Giannis got, man, he still don't know how to play. I mean, he just don't know how to play, man. I mean, he got super fucking talent, man. The guy's about to be the two-time Rookie of the Year. I mean, uh, MVP. And I'm telling you, he still. Hasn't figured out how to really play yet. Now, what I mean by that is this, and this ain't no no knock against Giannis, man. How can you knock him off for this two-time MVP? That's simple. That's stupid. You can't do that. But what I mean by that is this: his enhancements, his enhancements are needed so bad for him to, if he gonna ever see a championship, if he gonna ever even put himself in a serious championships position. His enhancements gonna have to get better. Like right now, Giannis has too many offensive fouls every game. He he get he's at least two to three offensive fouls a game because he wants to run you over. Why? Because he don't have a mid range game. He don't have a Carl Malone fifteen for the sixteen footer and I've. Blame Coach Bud for this. I definitely blame his coach for this because this is the same philosophy that he was trying to sell on to Al Horford, who was a guy that was a post-up monster and the guy that you can rely on throwing the ball in the paint to now, if Al don't shoot a three-pointer, he might not score in the game. That ain't the same Al Horford that was dominating and that actually earned his, his name in the NBA. But he got to fucking with Coach Bud and, and Atlanta and shooting all those threes. His game ain't never been the same. And that's what I think he on told Giannis to, to continue to work on his three-point shot, but not work on the shot that he could that could save him all these goddamn dumbass fouls he getting every game. Dude get it. His offensive fouls be so fucking obvious, too. They be obvious offensive fouls, man. 
where if he just stop and pull up, that's a 10-footer. If you stop and pull up, that's a 12-footer. You stop and pull up, that's 15-footer. Now they got to respect that shit. Second, and, and, and last but not least, if he needs to learn how to play the pyramid, he needs to learn, uh, somebody need to break out the pyramid for him and the paint, the paint pyramid. Because he needs to be able to play from block to block to the free throw line. If Giannis get the ball, catches the ball at the free throw line with a smaller man, he one dribble away from punishing him. Opposed to getting the ball at the three-point line, now it's taking him three dribbles to get to the rim, and guys are Dutch crashing down hard and causing doubles and setting up for, uh, for charges. That's how hard he's making the game. He's got to be able to hit a free throw jumper. He's got to be able to catch the ball at the free throw line, dribble drive. He already got the spin game down, right-hand spin, left-hand spin. He got the spin down. It's where he's catching the ball at is killing him. And he has to, it, do you know if Giannis learned how to play on the block with a drop step, you know, right-hand hook, left-hand hook off the glass, up and under, if he had any of those skills, he might be the five-time MVP of this league because ain't nobody doing that. And that's the type of work that you see that he can have and the fact that he can have on the game. He got a way better of a chance of being that type of ball player than the ball player that's out here shooting threes. Or if he can't get a dribble drive downhill, he can't do nothing. That's what's killing him, and that's what I mean by not knowing how to play. And like I say, I got to put that some of that on him because he's got to search that type of knowledge understand that he's foreign and he's not from this country. So I don't really know what his connections are, but he plays in the NBA. The NBA is a fraternity of old school guys that would love to teach Giannis. To be able to, you know what I'm saying, to let it be known that, yeah, Giannis came through me to get some help on this, this, and that, and now watching play. And so what? If he want that little $2 credit, you know what I'm saying, for helping you, you know what I'm saying, get even better, so be it. Let him have that. But he has to learn how to play that the the pyramid role. I mean, the, the paint pyramid. His paint pyramid knowledge is zero. If he just came up off the block and just caught the ball at the free throw line and took that little free throw jump shot, he would be more dominant. He's, I mean, he's wasting shots constantly. Or he's turning the ball over, or he's causing offensive turn. I mean, offensive chart fouls. I mean, that's. But like I said, that's on Coach Bud too. Coach Bud um, came with that same bullshit that he came with down there in Atlanta. You know what I'm saying? Where Paul Millsap, another guy that was a strong post up player, now post up every first of the month. You know what I'm saying? Out now you can't you find Paul Millsap at the three point line. Once upon a time, Paul Millsap, when he was at Utah, was killing you in the paint. Same with motherfucking goddamn Al Horford. Coach Bud, man, he 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 not a good he's so comfortable coaching that three point bullshit basketball that he won't even think about adding to a guy's game 
that might not be a three-point shooter. You, he would rather force you to be a three-point shooter than help you get better at what he already know you good at. And what's killing what's killing uh, uh, Milwaukee right now is if Giannis don't get no points in the paint, they ain't getting no points in the paint. He don't even make... Man, the uh, the twin used to average 20 and 10, man, before before he ever thought about shooting goddamn the three-pointer, Brooke Lopez. When he was there, when he was with New Jersey, man, he wasn't thinking about no goddamn three-pointers, man. He started doing that shit at the end of his run in New Jersey. But when he first got there, dude was 20 and 10, killing you on the blocks, killing you in the paint. And he ain't even athletic. That's what, man, that's what Milwaukee need right now in the worst way. They need somebody to be able to score in front of the basket, man, besides Jonathan. They don't have that at all. So now it's three-pointers. It's a three-point shot or bust. And that's what killed them, and that's what sent them home, man. How do you win the East and can't get past the second round for two years in a row? You can't even get to the Eastern Conference Finals. So it's making it seem like your record is fleeced. It's making it seem that your praise for your best big man, the two-time MVP, is making it look like it's fleece. And what's making it even worse, this shit ain't going to get no easier. This might be the easier season that you might have with Giannis. Giannis might then have to think about leaving. Man, that, that Milwaukee team right there, that Milwaukee team will have troubles next year with KD and Kyrie. Now, it ain't no telling that they're going to keep my man Karis LaVerta now and Spencer Dinwiddie, those guys. I mean, I believe for uh, for the right price, everybody for sale with KD and uh, Kyrie because they're trying to form them a, three, a three-headed monster. You know what I'm saying? That they can rely on. They want that guy to be semi-experienced. Not too old. I don't think they want no old head. But they want a motherfucker mid-level. I mean, mid-career that they know that can go get it. And it's probably Bradley Beal. It's probably Big Bad Brad. But, I mean, that's still all of that shit's still up in the air. But, uh, definitely, you know... That New Jersey, that that team right there, that that next team is gonna get even better, man. And then that ain't counting what Miami might put together and sit. And Miami got a chance to get to the. They already sitting in the Eastern Conference Finals, where Milwaukee should be. And Miami, if I'm not mistaken, was the number four team in the East at the end of the regular season. They sitting there chilling right now, waiting for somebody to play. So. I mean, that's a. This is an indictment on Giannis. This is an indictment on Coach Bud. And then the last, the last man is a a a, a double a two piece special man, and that's uh Chris Middleton and your boy uh Eric Bloodsaw. If Giannis is gonna stay, man, Bloodsaw will have to be the third best player on your team, and you're gonna have to get rid of Eric Bloodsaw, man. They fucked up, man, when they got rid of the boy uh, that they sent to the Pacers. I mean, I, I knew that once they did, I was like, damn, that, that's their best player. Why did they, I mean, that's their second best player. Why did they do that, send him to, didn't want to give him his money. And then they end up in and pay uh, Eric Bloodsaw. 
I just didn't understand that. I didn't understand that. And that cost them this year. That cost them so bad this year because if Giannis can't score, now you got to have somebody that can penetrate and help create scores because you ain't got nothing really but specialists on your team. You ain't got nothing but a whole bunch of jump shots, jump shooting specialists on your team. <clears throat> so you need a point guard that can penetrate and beat this man off the dribble and get a couple motherfucking points, you know what I'm saying, in the paint so that he can make guys still have to, you know, protect the paint. If they don't stop Giannis from protecting the paint, they don't even have to think about the paint no more, pretty much checking Milwaukee because D. Vincenzo, he ain't going to do so much going to the paint. Uh, Wesley Matthews is only going to do so much going to the paint. So you ain't got that constant attack on the paint still. So it's Giannis attacking the paint or the Bucks don't really get any paint points, man. That's on your coach. That's on your coach, man. You can run and design something better than this. You can put Eric Bledsoe in a better situation to be in attack mode so he can get to the right. I mean, that's it. I mean, that's what I'm saying in that. But still in all, Eric Bledsoe got to learn. He got to shoot the ball better. He still shoot the ball the same way he was when he was with the Clippers. He he hasn't got any better shooting the ball. I mean, he he, he a damn good defender. Damn good defender. And, and, and he played with a lot of spirit. Can't take that from him, but he can't shoot the ball. He Patrick Beverly. He Patrick motherfucking Beverly. And I, and, and I think I, I'm trusting Patrick Beverly more than I'm trusting him. I'm literally trusting Patrick Beverly right now more to take a three-point shot than your boy. Eric Bloodsaw. And it ain't, to me, it ain't even close to what we trust. And then Chris, uh, uh, and then you got Chris Middleton, man. And Chris Middleton uh, ain't a bad ball player. Ain't a bad ball player at all. Ain't a bad ball player at all. He, he don't earn the stripes in the NBA. He a number three scorer, though. If, if he your second best player, you ain't going to win no championship with him as your second best player. He don't do enough to affect the game. He just don't do enough to affect the game to be your second best player. He don't do enough to affect the game on the defense end. He don't do enough to affect the game on the offensive end. He not even Paul George. Paul George ain't even proved that he'd be, he he could be effective enough to be a championship ball player. Chris Middleton ain't damn so not it. <clears throat> so, in the grand scheme, I think Giannis is going to stay, but I don't think he's going to sign that contract. He would be silly to sign that contract that they're going to offer him next year. And he might need to get ready to try to figure out how he can get to Mo, uh, to Miami to go play with Jimmy and them boys to play the same way that he played, that hard, go get his style. Or he might be look, might be time for him to go and skirt his ass to the West. You know, most of them boys get to heading head West. You know, you make it in the East and you get to thinking about heading West. So that's what I've seen in that. And I, like I said, I was truly highly disappointed in, in the Bucks. Uh, man, this Miami Heat team, man, I I knew it though. I knew it. I fucking knew it when they grabbed Jimmy Butler. See, everybody kind of surprised on this Duncan Robinson shit. I'm not. I'm a Michigan Wolverine fan. 
<laughs> it's all about to go blue here. If you listen to this podcast in any kind of way, you know how your mans feel about the blue. So, uh, Duncan, this is what we've seen in Duncan. Duncan don't play in the national championship game. You know what I'm saying? Duncan had to run an NCAA tournament, what, four years ago? That speaks for itself. Him and Mo Wagner got us to a championship game, man. And Duncan can shoot the ball, man. And he, and what you're seeing right now is not only can he shoot the ball, but he knows how to play the game. He Coach Beeline taught the kid how to play the game. That's why I didn't understand, first of all, why Cleveland even came and fucked with my coach. No disrespect to Jawan. I love Jawan, and I'm glad Jawan there. Jawan going to probably help us get some more four-star, five-star kids, you know, and not do too much straying off on the Michigan thing. But I hate that Cleveland went and got my coach, Coach Beeline, and then you put him in his locker room with a whole bunch of motherfuckers who don't want to learn how to play. Because if you look at the kids right now that don't play through Coach Beeline and our, and our Michigan kids and our, that don't, uh, this is the NBA right now, look what Trey Burks just did with uh with the Dallas Mavericks and in, and what he did in this bubble in general. Look what Karis LeVert on did in this bubble in general. Just look, just look what my kids on did. You know what I'm saying? So... And this coming from Duncan Robinson, it's only surprising to motherfuckers who don't understand the Michigan culture and how good of a coach Coach Beeline is. Duncan know how to play the game. He know how to, he know how to use his bounce passes. He know how to move without the basketball. He know how he knows how to defend, and he has practiced enough on his shot that he has full confidence in. Him. He started learning. He he helped develop that and strengthen those type of characters characteristics at the University of Michigan. And now you got him and this boy, young Tyler Hero, who came from out of Kentucky, another team that's going to make you learn how to play the game. And Coach Kyle don't even sugarcoat the shit. Dude, you came here for me to teach you how to go to the NBA. Well, guess what? That's exactly what I'm going to teach you how to do. And since he's been in his rookie, this is rookie season. You showed me one time in his rookie season where he don't looked at like a, a rookie or a guy that's been out there over his head. Tyler Hero had an outstanding season this year. Outstanding season for the, He one of the main reasons why the motherfucker he is being ready to where they at right now. Not just so much Jimmy, but Hero and Duncan. Because both of them boys are, are your best shooters. And they both play with a certain level of confidence and a certain go get it. <laughs> and they're young enough where they don't have a big ego. So both of them usually play for each other. One to start one minute, the other to start the next minute. And they're usually replacing each other. And the other kid, uh, the nun kid that they got. Man, this Miami Heat team is so fucking ready to go. And then you not even counting in the monster. And that's young Bam. And I'm telling you, Bam's going to be a monster in this here NBA. If Bam don't get hurt, if Bam don't get hurt, man, Bam got a chance to be to be the most athletic post player type guy that I've seen and and have the explosion since Sean Kent. Sean Kent, I mean, he reminds me of the Sean Kent explosiveness with the motherfucker Sabonis IQ, this, or be the Sabonis IQ. And anybody that know anything about Sabonis, 
You know how good his passes was. You know how well he knew how to set his teammates up for shots and also screen at the same time. That's what I mean, how Bam is doing what he do. And then you throw in Jay Crowder, you throw in Andre Elliott Dollar, and you throw in motherfucking Jimmy Butler. And yes, you have a Miami hit squad. And these niggas be coming out in the mild black jerseys. They look like hit men. They look like gangsters. And that ain't Cam Kelly Olenek as well. So they got the white boy shooters that can shoot and do shoot. And then they got the old, you know, they got the roughneck young brothers, you know what I'm saying, that come in and just put the body on you. And then don't sleep on Derrick Jones because he a dunk on you. Man, this Miami Heat team has everything that you could possibly want, and they are going to be hard to beat. And it looks like right now the team that they're going to probably face is Boston. And Boston right now looks really fucking good. I'm telling you, they looking really fucking good, even though, even though they in a they in a hell of a series right now because they let the one thing you cannot let happen in playoff games happen. If you got a playoff game one, you don't beat yourself at the end. And they were up 2-0 in this series against Toronto, and I've been shocked at that. Like, damn, Toronto literally, I literally thought Toronto would be a bad matchup for Boston because they could put so much size in front of the rim and they had enough athletic guys that could dribble, drive, and get to the rim where they can actually use their size so they didn't have to shoot a lot of threes to be able to keep up with Boston. Shit, it ain't been none of that. They don't call this. They're trying to keep up with Boston. They can't shoot as good as Boston. And, boy, I'm telling you, Jason Tatum and motherfucking uh, Brown and Kimball Walker, they just wearing these boys out. They wearing them out. They wearing them out. They it, it they wearing them out so bad that they ain't figured out yet how to goddamn isolate Kimball and you know make him actually have to defend. But anyway, in game three, these cats is about to go down 0-3. They got five tenths of a second. You heard what I said. I said five tenths of a second. They got Big Taco in the game, and these motherfuckers, Brad. Brad Stevenson got the team in a fucking zone with five tenths of a second. And we can't check a motherfucker. And you can't check your man for five tenths of a second. Then I don't need you out there. But I damn so ain't about to goddamn leave all this space for a motherfucker just to move into a space, catch and shoot. That would be kind of silly for me to do as a coach. Well, I'll be damn, that's what Brad Stevens did, man. And that... Kyle Lowry hit your boy OG over uh, at Anobi. He knocked down a shot with five tenths of the second. That the last time I seen anything close to this shit is when Derek Fisher killed motherfucking the Spurs with eight tenths of a sec, eight tenths of a second left. So this was even goddamn more dramatic than that shit. And he caught and he got a three off. Derek Fisher had to do some catch and just fling shit. So, man, that also was, I'm like, damn, that's an awful little goddamn long fine tenths of a second. But, oh, well. <clears throat> anyway, outside of that, so Boston, if Boston wins that game, this series would have already been over with. But they did. They end up losing that game. Toronto come back and win another game. 
And then Boston uh, came back uh, in game six, uh, game five, and re uh, uh, reasserted themselves. So uh, now we're going into game six. And I believe that it's over with. But I believe that Toronto haven't established themselves and how they really should have attacked this team. And Mark Gasol can't even play in this series because they're playing so goddamn fast. Toronto, I, th I thought, would have enough sense to slow it down. But no, nah, they're trying to keep up with Boston down there. As soon as the ball is, is tipped, they want to show that they're the fastest team tonight. And that ain't doing, that's not helping a big man. That's not helping they, sh they field goal percentage. And it's not really helping their defense, man. And they get defense getting exposed. They uh, offense uh, getting exposed for not being able to shoot as good as Boston. And like I said, they still ain't figured out how to isolate Kemper yet. So, I mean, and I liked, I like I said, I came in thinking Toronto was going to be the team to beat. You know what I'm saying? Uh because I, I just believe that the heart of a champion, you got you got to beat champs. Champs don't usually lay down. And uh look like right now Toronto in, in lay down mode. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that shit go in game six. I'm not counting them out. And I do believe if they went get uh to a game seven, I'll take them in game seven. I'll take them in game seven over, over uh, Boston. So I think Boston got to finish them off today. I finished. They, I think if Boston don't finish them out today, I think Toronto find a way to get it done. They got championship experience. Boston has none. You know, so I mean, and this will hurt Boston so bad if they end up losing this series. I believe this is a goddamn it, uh, a make or break game for Boston right here. This game right here, game six. So we're gonna see how that goes. But with saying all that, I don't think neither one of those teams. I don't think neither one of those teams can goddamn beat uh, Minnesota, uh, Miami. So I think Miami gonna end up in the uh, the NBA Finals coming out the East. And, and if you look over here on this West side, I mean, who who the most surprising thing I've seen in the bubble so far is the Houston Rockets. The most impressive team I've seen out of the last four teams so far has been the Rockets. Cause I don't I don't think the Rockets should be part of the one of the last four teams. I just don't. I just don't believe that you can play with four guys, five guys, and your biggest big man is six five, uh, and you should be in the NBA Finals or even close to NBA Finals. I don't care if you got Russell and got them James Harden on your team, and up you got Russell and James Harden on your team. Both these guys just went off for thirty eight piece last night against the Lakers, man. And it didn't make no difference because in the fourth quarter, they still they weren't able to get to the line and call their own fouls. So, therefore, they weren't able to score in front of the rim. And when you're not able to score in front of the rim and the only other consistent shooting motherfucker you had out there with you was goddamn Eric Gordon, if he get cold or not able to hit every shot that he tossed up, now where you at? And that's what happened. And that's what's going on with this Rockets team, man. This Rockets team would have probably been a much better matchup if they were went up against the Clippers. I mean, because the Clippers don't really have a do the dominant size factor. And I believe that Russell would have been able to oppose more of his will. Russell only had, a, like I said, he had a decent game last night with 30 points. But damn, you say Russell with 30 points in the playoffs, is that's decent. What did he do that kept him from being great? Turnover still. I mean, for Russell to be effective, he has to get to the rack. 
He wasn't able to get to the rack, especially at the end of the third quarter and going into the fourth quarter. They just set his, cut his water off. They wouldn't allow him to get all the way to the rack. And when he did get to the rack, he had to shoot over a lot of tall guys. He had to shoot over a lot of tall guys, a lot of length. You know, shooting over Kuzma at 6'10 is tough for Russell because Russell ain't number 6'4, 6'5 at max. 6'4, 6'3. That's catching up to him. That's what's that's hurting him. But I I got to say, man, the Houston Rockets defense is outstanding. They are scrapping their fucking ass off, man, and they are giving the Lakers a hell of a time. And I believe that this effort had been shifted towards maybe playing against the Clippers or the Nuggets. The, one of those teams would be goddamn on they on their deathbed right now, fucking with this Rockets team. They knocking down their threes. They don't hit what twenty two threes the other game. They hit another game had twenty three. So they they knocking down their twenty threes a game. And I mean, once they motherfuckers get the raining, they get the raining them. But there's just nothing they can do when they miss. When they miss, they're not getting second opportunities. When they miss, they lose those long shots are leading to easy rebounds. Easy rebounds which are jump starting the Lakers fast break and they're not able to get back fast enough. And even if they get back, who's gonna who gonna who gonna protect the rim? So the thing that they do great is also the thing that's killing them. Because those long shots are lead to long rebounds and man shit, it's like a, a uh it's like a jump start to the Lakers fast break. They are getting rebounds at the free throw line a lot of times and, and, and above the little charge line. <laughs> that that's not having to grind out rebounds. Those are rebounds adversity just coming to you, falling in your hand. That's getting everybody a running start. It's giving everybody a running start. And I just don't see where that's gonna really be able to save Houston. Man, I think yeah, even though Houston's still in it, series ain't nothing but two one. So I think Houston's still in it. And like I say, Houston to me has been the most impressive team in the bubble out of the four teams that's left in the West. By far. By far. I don't know if that defense can hold up. And I don't know if they're going to be able to hit enough shots. But what they've done so far, man, has been outstanding. And I got to throw it up to James Harden. James Harden is definitely uh, proven to be a winning ball player now. My feelings about James Harden coming into the bubble is not the same watching him play right now. Dude is playing like a winner. He's playing his ass on the defense, uh, ass off on the defense. He's competing hard. He's setting up his teammates. He's not really going through that ball hogging shit. He's still getting his when he know he got to have it, and he's still having problems when he comes down in the fourth quarter finishing because he's finishing up with big guys. So. I said this when the Rockets made a Clint Capella trade. You giving up the opportunities uh, to throw in lobs and Clint Capella giving you some easy shots in front of the rim. You giving that up to give Russell the paint to himself. Now you see where that wasn't a good idea. Because what as much attention as Russell get, getting right now from the Laker big man, if he had any big man that he can toss it up to, he have four or five Ali, you uh, uh, assist a game. Easy. Clint Capella can literally just eat off of just catching Ali Oops right now. You can't do that with P.J. Tucker. That's what's killing them right now. 
Uh, then I'm looking at this uh, Denver series, man, and the Nuggets, man, has probably been the most one of the most resilient teams out of the four teams left in the West. And I mean, they have been super resilient, man. They they were down uh three one. They had to win three games in a row to get to where they at. And uh, they 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 trying to compete. They was able to win game two. Got beat down in game one. Uh. Game three was a little bit more competitive. Uh, you see where they have an advantage. Their advantage is Jokic. Uh, Nikola, Nikola killing them. They don't have no matchup for him at all. He killing them. He come and he ain't bailing their ass out. He is making them play against that big ass body in front of the rim. <clears throat> and your boy Zubik, he 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 can't. He can only do so much. And then when you throw Marcus Morris or Montrez or any of those other guys out there on him, he feasting on their ass. He looking forward to seeing them come in the game and try to check him. He ain't signed down for none of those matchups. He is busting their ass. But he by himself right now because the Jamal Murray, yes, having to deal with Paul, uh, Paul George and Kawhi starting to slow him down. He he ain't having none of those forty and fifty point explosions. It ain't been none of that. He he having to grind to get to that twenty ball. You know what I'm saying? And he gonna need a thirty, thirty, thirty five piece before them to even win another game in this series. Because he's the he the only other thing best other option that they got. Because I like Michael Porter Jr. I like him a lot, and I do believe that he has a chance to be. The second best player on this team, man, in a couple of years, if not the best player on this team in two to three years. But right now, man, he you can tell that he just don't came out of his confidence shell. So now he's more or less running around, you know, overexcited about just being here instead of actually knowing how to play being here. You know what I'm saying? Being on a, on a playoff stage, you know what I'm saying, where your consistency as something that you're doing, it needs to be at its max. And they need him to consistently score right now, and he can't be their consistent score that they need. He just don't have that in him right now. And and, and it's showing. Every time they need it the most, man, the, uh, they have to go to Torrey and Craig and uh, Monte Morris and some of them other guys, man. Not having Will Barton is killing them. Uh Love Harris and shit, but he more or less a defender. You know, they miss Will Barton, man. They miss Will Barton in the worst way, man. If they could ever, if they would be able to get Will Barton in here these two or three of these next games, man, they would really have a good fighting chance, man. But without another, you know, solid state scoring option, it looks like, like I said, uh, the Nuggets might be lucky to win another game. But the Clippers, man, and, and here go the Clippers. Now, now we're talking about the Clippers. The Clippers haven't looked dominant, Chad. I mean, Paul George and Kawhi still haven't. They had a good game in game three together and everything. And that game still was there for the taking for the, for the Nuggets. I still haven't seen that we're going to shut you all the way down type game. I mean, in game one. I don't think that was more or less the Clippers' defense, more or less that the Nuggets was just dead-ass tired from a seven-game series with the uh, the uh, Jazz. Now, I don't think that's all the reason why they end up taking that ass-kicking. 
But I do believe that that played into the fact that once they had got down by a couple points, the uh, the less fight to get back into it wasn't all there at, in game one. I didn't see that. I didn't see the, the fight that I seen in game two, when the, the game that they won, and, and the same similar fight that they had in game three. That they should have won. It just seemed like they was too young for the win because they needed some execution towards the end of the game, man, and they wasn't able to get some executions, turnovers, uh, searching to figure out who would be your best scoring option, man. Good teams already know what their best scoring options are. Good teams already know what y'all trying to figure out. And that's what's killing them right now. But the Nug, I mean, the Clippers, man, Kawhi, he is like really on, on his shit, man. He really on top of his game. And he's doing real good. Paul George on kind of came out his shell, so he he roll he rolling that full strength. Uh, Montrez still kind of iffy. His game still kind of iffy. Uh, for as much as you might like Montrez, he his game is limited. His skill his skill level is limited. He don't have a real life jump shot, so he's got to you know try to beat you with power, force, or speed. And if you got guys that's able to, you know, just play position basketball, he has a hard time finishing. And that's what I'm noticing right now because uh, they're doing a good job of neutralizing him as uh, far as on the on his possessions when he's having the ball and he's trying to figure out what he can do. Now, the possessions where he's killing them, man, is where he's getting set up to do what he do. Dribble drive kick out. I mean, dribble drive kicks to him in the paint. He finishing strong, uh, finishing strong off the breaks, you know what I'm saying, and stuff like that. But, you know, him dribbling, you know, catching the ball, turning around, facing, and, you know, dribbling past his man and doing the Montrez shit that he usually do, he ain't been able to get that shit off yet. And that's noticeably different right now. Uh, Sweet Lou been up and down in the bubble so far. He ain't really just literally just been like, I mean, going into this, as you heard, Everybody talking about the Clippers only can go as far as Duke Williams can uh, take him because he averaged 20 a game coming off the bench. Well, he ain't averaging 20 in the bubble. Uh, that That's for sure. And the Clippers better hope that I, that's not the narrative because if that's the narrative, they might be in trouble because I don't, I don't recall Lou Williams having a dominant game against the Lakers yet this year. And I haven't seen him have a, like I said, a real strong Lou Williams dominant game. I, I ain't seen one of them in the bubble yet. I've seen Lou Williams show up that he's, yeah, okay, that's Lou right there. He got 20. But then I've seen a couple games where Lou got 10, 13, and shit like that. He said, it ain't because he ain't getting his minutes. He getting his minutes. He getting his minutes. He just ain't, it, 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 the, the production ain't the same. Just the production hasn't been the same. You know, so that was just something to think about, you know. Uh and then we look at this Lakers team, man. Uh <clears throat> I watched LeBron put a uh play the uh last night, put up thirty six. Uh the first game, uh Lakers had real trouble with the speed, plus they were trying to really try to keep up with the Rockets like they might goddamn it be the Rockets' little cousin or the little brother or something. 
You know, y'all not the Rockets and y'all not going to be able to keep up with them. From game two and game three, I noticed in the fourth quarter, if they got the lead, they they stopped playing fast basketball, fast back-to-back, back-to-back trying to, you know, score with the uh, Rockets. It's not you take a fast shot, I take a fast shot. You take one, I take one. It's not that. Rondo got the ball in his hands. He walking the ball down. He making the Rockets literally have to defend in the fourth quarter. And with that style of play that they playing already, that fast pace, fast pace, the last thing they want to have to do is grind out of possession. Then you miss your shot and then you get an offensive rebound. That's just demoralizing to them and it's taking too much out their legs. And from the last five in game two, the last seven-minute mark, you can see uh, in the fourth quarter where it just seemed like they didn't have the same gas. And to last night, uh, after the last five minute mark, you can see that they just didn't have the same the same gas in the tank. And Russell and James got thirty apiece, and it still looked like they just you just didn't see it in it. You didn't see it happening. It's because the game is moving too slow. It's moving too slow. They can't make them play fast enough because. They're playing at a slow pace, and when they do decide to score, I mean, do decide to shoot, they're getting so so good quality shots that they're even making them or we're fouling them, and that's making the game even slower now. So that, that ain't what James and them want. James and them don't want the game to be slow in the fourth quarter. They want that motherfucker to go fast. They, they Russell wants it to go fast, and they, not able to, they haven't been able to dictate the pace. And that's what's killing them. So, uh, but the the quality of the games has still been, you know, at an eight. The quality of the games has definitely been at an eight so far. Uh, can't give it a nine or ten, but definitely at an eight. Uh, just been some real good games, man. So, with that, I'm going to get ready to get on out of here. Thank you again for giving me a listen. And uh, God bless everybody.